Well, I have enjoyed the singing, the worshiping together. Thank you for singing out. It's been a good day today. It's been a good weekend to me. I feel very uplifted and refreshed, and, and I hope and pray that you feel the same. I want to I say a couple of things. <clears throat> uh, this congregation has meant a lot to me. A lot of the family here, the families I've been very close to for many years. I want to say to Jay and to Gay how much they've meant to me. Uh, Jay's been a big influence on me. He, he took a lot of time for me as a young college student, and especially when I began doing church work, he took a lot of time for me. I had a lot of meals at Gay's house, and I crashed their house a whole lot of times. Part of that's Paul's fault, but they were always very welcoming, and I, I appreciate that very much. Uh, Dee and Darlene, we, we made a lot of road trips together. I saw Darlene take a power nap that literally was three minutes long, and she was refreshed and good to go, and I was highly impressed with that. Uh, but, but Dee and I did a lot of traveling, especially when I was young, and I've always treasured that and enjoyed it, and I just I want you to know it. Uh, this, this topic... I have been feeling a real need to teach, and I've, I've been nervous about it. I've been afraid in some ways. I've been not confident. Uh, two years ago, Ian Jones had a heart attack. My phone rang, and I, I was so scared that it was going to be like Sam Potter. And my mind immediately went to his wife being a widow, his kids being fatherless, and it, it, just, it just affected me. And anyway, my phone began to ring, and church leaders called me saying, what does he need? What does Ian need? Does he need money? Does he? And I said, yes, he needs money. Uh, I don't know, My probably eight or ten church leaders called me. And I appreciated that. Uh, Randall Smith, an elder from Stillwater, called me. And he was about the tenth or eleventh one. And I just, <laughs> I just snapped and I said, Randall. He said, does he need some money? We could send him $500. I said, Randall, he, no, he don't need $500. I said, he needs $500 a month. Or $1,000 a month. He can't afford health insurance. And now he's in a position where the rest of his days he's got a heart attack at 40. And I probably spoke to him in a way an evangelist shouldn't speak to an elder. And after the whole rant, I said, hey, I'm really sorry. <laughs> but I just, I just reached a limit. And I want you to know tonight, the things that I'm going to teach tonight, I, am, I, am, I think they're very important. And they are coming from a person who is grateful for support. Very grateful. And it just humbles me how much support this congregation does. And I talked to a lot of our evangelists about this. And so some of the information that I'm going to share with you tonight was gathered. And evangelists have been wanting for some time to figure out a way 
to share some of this information. And it's just been a real challenge. As an evangelist, I do not want to know who the highest paid evangelist is. I just don't want to know. I'd kind of like to know who's the lowest. I don't want there to be envy among our evangelists. I, we want peace and we want unity. And so there's just been a hesitancy to, to share and to know. And I guess as, as I've grown older, my phones ring more. I know a lot of other evangelists' phones ring and church leaders say, what do you need and how's it going? And, and we appreciate It's very appreciated. <clears throat> Okay, and second, I didn't turn it on. So we're going to talk about this subject. 2 Corinthians 11, beginning of verse 8, the apostle says, I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. And when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. And in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you. And so will I keep myself. I want you to notice the attitude of the Apostle Paul towards the congregation at Corinth. He did not want to be a burden to that congregation. To the point he was willing to rob other churches and take money from other churches because he did not want to hurt them. But as we discussed this morning, it takes money. It just costs money. And so as I discuss some of these things with other evangelists, one thing that I've heard over and over is I do not want to appear ungrateful. Because I want to tell you, every evangelist that I know of and that I work with is very grateful for the support that they receive and very grateful to be doing this work. I tell you, it was my dream from the time I was a child to do what I do. And I am a very blessed man. So I have some information that's been compiled, and this information was put together about two years ago. Most of this information. So I'm not here today to tell you this is last week's numbers, but it is fairly recent. I want to be fair about that. And so I'm just going to go through this information because that's what it is. Evangelists working in the USA, the average yearly salary is $32,400. Now, we took a survey with SurveyMonkey, and I'm not a tech guy, but it was a, a way for evangelists to anonymously say, here's what I'm making. And I'm not here to tell you that every evangelist took this survey, but, but many of them did, over half of them did. So I'm not here to say this is totally precise but it's a starting place 32,400 is the average now when I went to the work uh, 25 years ago next month I went and sat down with Truman and Stella Teal I preached for them at Deal City we went over and had lunch and Truman looked at me he said Sean they're talking about raising $2,000 a month for you he said do you think you can make it on $2,000 a month and I said Lord I'd like to try I have never made that much money in my whole life 
That just seemed like a pile of money. I just thought that'll be easy. And, and they raised that money for me when I started. And so if 32000 is the average, then there are some evangelists making more than thirty-two, and there are some making less. Because that's the average. The federal poverty level of 2020 was $30,680 for a family of five. That means on average evangelists make $1,720 per year above poverty level on average. 72% of evangelists work a second job. Some others work a third job. 50% of evangelist wives work a job. In fact, only 2 out of 32 evangelists don't have a second job, their wife don't work a job, or they don't receive any retirement income. 37.5% of evangelists are on Social Security. 16% of evangelists receive retirement income, but all that is from sources other than evangelism. By the way, the average salary in Texas is about $56,000. And I will tell you this, a, a first-year school teacher can make $60,000 in Houston, Texas. Now, that's probably not true in Wheeler County, Texas, but that's true in Houston. And $1,720 above poverty is $4.78 a day above poverty <clears throat> evangelists working in the USA average yearly about 31,000 miles a year in travel and I've done a little math on that at, at $3 a gallon that's about $4,500 to $6,000 a year just in fuel cost it was asked of the evangelist, have you ever used your own money to fund a work a church has called you to do? A hundred percent responded yes. In order to make ends meet, have you paid monthly bills with a credit card? Seventy-nine percent said yes. What percentage of churches that support you give an annual cost of living increase? A hundred percent of evangelists said no one. Now, I've received pay increases, and I think most evangelists have received pay increases, but the question was annual. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, the apostle Paul says, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, yea, doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife, as do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord, and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I, 
who have no right to refrain from working. Whoever goes to war at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit, who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock. Do I say these things as a mere man? Or does not the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it altogether for your sakes? For our sakes. He says, For our sakes no doubt this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partakers of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? Now, Paul faced a lot of challenges at Corinth, and undoubtedly he knew those people real well. And there appears to be a situation where they're going, you know what, you, we don't have to support you. you. You work and make your own living. Or you shouldn't have a wife. It wouldn't be fair to you to have a wife. It would cost more money or whatever that situation was. He makes a case that it's okay for me and Barnabas to be supported. In fact, it's right. And he goes on in his argument and he cites the Old Testament passage, Don't muzzle the ox. I want to ask you a question. What happens when the ox is muzzled? I've never owned ox. Had a few horses. What happens when the ox is muzzled? Because oxen are workers. They carry a burden. They pull a plow. They pull a cart. They thresh the corn. And their job is to work and to labor. And I just sat down, I drove to Tennessee, and I thought about this passage a whole lot, and I just kept thinking, what, what is the ox going to do if he's muzzled? And the answer I came up to is he's going to quit working. Or he's not going to want to work very bad. And if he's not muzzled, and while he works, he can take a bite of grain... He's going to work harder. He's going to want to work. He's going to want to go there and work. And this idea is applied by the Apostle Paul to the work of evangelist, to those who do church work. He goes on to say, If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? Even so, the Lord hath commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel." But I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things, that it should be done so to me. For it would be better for me to die than that anyone should make my boasting void. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for if necessity is laid upon me, yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. And Paul makes a case with Scripture, and he refers to the oxen, 
And he says, we have a right to be paid. And I don't think anyone here would dispute that. I don't think anyone in this congregation goes, you have no right. I don't believe that. I believe most people in most all churches want to see evangelists supported, and they're happy to do that. But it is scriptural for this to happen. It is scriptural for people who do this kind of labor to re receive a wage, just like you want to receive a wage for your labor, a fair wage. So I want to recover or go over again just a few of the terms. We talked about them this morning just briefly, but I want you to notice Acts 15, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension. I want you to notice verse 3, and being brought on their way by the church. Church, We talked about that briefly. Romans 15, 24, Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you. But you know, when we read through the pages of the New Testament, we don't read, well, Corinth supported Paul monthly. We'll read about that. We don't read about the church at Jerusalem supporting Peter on a monthly basis. We don't read about him getting a yearly bonus or a Christmas bonus from the church at Jerusalem. But there's a whole lot of information in the New Testament that these men were supported. And not every instance where we read about men preaching the gospel and receiving some kind of pay does the word money occur. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 5. Now will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia, and it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. And the idea from the phrase and the phraseology is to bring them on a journey, to send them where they need to go. And I don't know how you would feel, but I suppose if, if I called Van and said, Van, I'm, I'm coming to spend the winter with you. <laughs> and I'm, I want you to send me wherever I need to go. He might find a place pretty quick. Hey, I found a spot for you. Here you go. But what we talked about this morning applies. These, it costs money to travel and get there. Titus. 3 verse 13, bring Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently that nothing be wanting unto them. And so there's a whole lot of scripture that's talking about supporting these men and supporting them as they worked and as they traveled. And I believe what goes along with bringing them on their journey was if they needed shoes, they helped them have shoes. It wasn't just food and lodging, it was whatever needs they might have. Paul had a lot of health problems. And it could have been health issues that they helped to support him and pay for those things. And it could have been a ticket on a ship or a ride on a cart or travel cost or all those things. Philippians <clears throat> chapter 4 beginning of verse 14. Notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Here's another phrase that indicates he's going to receive some kind of pay. And the word money's not used. You did communicate with my afflictions. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. He's not talking about having a conversation. He's talking about support. 
He says, For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. You sent money to help me. Not because I desired a gift, but I desired fruit that may abound unto your account. And if you were here this morning, you know there's a widow lady that my effort and the work that she supported me in doing is a star in her crown. If I've done any good work at all. Verse 18, But I have all and abound, I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which are sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. And once again, God notices. In all these different instances, we have different congregations supporting men to go and do the work. To do that work. <clears throat> so here's a little bit more information. It was asked of the evangelist, do you, the evangelist, verbally contact all congregations that support you regularly? 61% said no. 39% said yes. Do congregations that support you verbally contact you about your support regularly? 60% said, 66% said no. And 34% said yes. And what this tells me is we have a communication problem. And I know because I've had elders call me and say, I can't get, I don't know what evangelist needs help. And if I call an evangelist, I say, how are you doing? He says, I'm doing fine. And I'm going to tell you, as an evangelist, I don't want to say, I'm struggling. As a man, as a husband, as a father, I don't want to say, we are barely making it. If that's pride, I'm guilty. I am really happy to call and say, Ian Jones needs help. But I'm going to tell you what, I've got to be in real trouble before I call and say, I'm in trouble, I need help. And we just have a communication issue, and part of it's on evangelists. Absolutely. And part of it's on congregations and leaderships. And we've just got to have more communication. And so if you take maybe one thing home from this, you elders, you deacons, you, you people who, are, who love the church and care about this stuff, talk about it. Ask these elders about the support. Ask evangelists how they're doing. And once they say, I'm doing fine, say, now I really want to know the truth. How are you doing? You might have to ask them three or four times. <clears throat> In Galatians chapter 6, verse 11, he says, You see how large a letter I have written to you with my own hand. I try to write a report letter. I'm late. I haven't read it yet. I'm going to claim I've been busy, and I think I have, but I'll write one. I want to communicate. I want folks to know what kind of work I've done. I want them to know I appreciate it. I want, to know, I want them to know about good things. I try to write a letter. But the question that was asked is how do, do we communicate about support? And that's a thing I don't really report on. Not to just in my letter. In 1 Corinthians 7 verse 1, Paul said, Concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me. 
Evidently, the church at Corinth wrote to Paul and asked Paul questions. I don't know what all about. I think because of chapter 7, they ask about a lot of marital questions and some of those kinds of things. But no doubt, they wrote to Paul and communicated, and there needs to be communication. We're going to have to have discussions about these things. And so, as it come to me, and as I thought about these things, I had an elder call me. He said, I want you to teach these things. I want you to come to our congregation. I want these things taught on. So I put a sermon together, and he said, one of the questions that I want you to work on and answer is how do you decide how much to give? And so that's the question I want you to consider with me just for just a minute. How can you personally, because we're all different, decide how much money ought to be put in the plate? And so I want to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. The word purposeth is a, is a simple word. It means to choose for oneself before a thing. And I want to tell you today, one of the teachings isn't just how I feel at the moment, on Sunday morning, it is to purpose and to give thought to what are the needs. Certainly, we have to give thought to how much money do I have. But when we set a budget and we think about a budget, we need to play, make a place for the church. And there needs to be some communication with leaderships to figure out what kind of budget do we have. And so I believe... A way for you to decide is leaderships have got to communicate within the brotherhood and with evangelists and determine what do we need. Elders must communicate with elderships. Or evangelists, rather, must communicate with elderships. Evangelists, as, as evangelists, we need to step up. And we need to talk about where we're at. Elders need to set an evangelism budget. And then elders need to communicate the evangelism budget to a congregation and say, here's where we're at, here's what we're spending, here's where we need to be. Elders need to update the evangelism budget every year. And I personally believe a 3% increase every year would be good. Now I want to tell you something. I got a couple of raises last year, and one of the raises I got was 3%. Now, do we have inflation? Yeah. Is it 3%? No. I don't know what it is, 7, 8, 9, 10%? And if, if there's 10% inflation, then I got a 10% cut, and you did too. We all did, and that affects us. That affects the budget. So all those things have got to be considered. But I just believe we've got to start thinking about this. And, and what is the needs, and can they be met? And there's some people who can't increase their support or, or may have to decrease because of inflation. That's understandable. I do not think a person needs to give more than they can give. I don't give more than I can give. You know, I know a congregation that went from contributions of $1,400 a week to $3,050 a week in seven years. Tell you, that's a massive increase. And that impresses me. And I will tell you how that came about. The elders communicated the needs to the congregation. 
And I said this morning, we've got the best people, and that's true. And when our people see a need, I believe they rise up to that need. Because there's a principle that goes along that's scriptural, which is this. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. And if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. A church leader said to me not too long ago, he said, Sean, you need to teach the younger evangelists not to be entangled in the affairs of this life. <clears throat> Second Timothy 2.4 says exactly that. And I said to my brother, I said, well, what do you mean? Because at the time I was on a school board and I thought, well, maybe he was thinking along that line and he said, no, you need to teach these young evangelists they don't need to be working a job. And I said, okay. And I began to think about that. And we finished our discussion, and he went on his way, and here come one of the deacons and sat down. And I says, uh, how long have y'all supported me? And he said, well, how long have you been an evangelist? And I I told him, he said, uh, that long. And I said, I've never received a raise in support. And that was 22 years. He said, really? I said, yeah. He said, huh. Guess what happened the next month? <laughs> I got a raise. <laughs> and I appreciated it very much. I spoke to an evangelist just not long ago, and he said to me, one more support cut, and I'm sunk. He said, the burden is really heavy on my wife. He said, every month we barely make it. He said, I've not received one raise in 13 years. He said, my wife is supporting me to do church work. He said, my wife works a job just so I can do church work. He said, I quit a good job in 1987 making $40,000 a year with health and life insurance. And he said, I'm not making that today. You know, he took a job. I want to ask you a question. Is that being entangled in the affairs of this life? Each year of the last few years, probably ten years, men who were working full-time as evangelists are now working a job full-time and evangelism part-time. I raise cattle. I don't know if that was the best choice in life, but I, I make a little extra money by doing that. My wife works at the school. The primary reason she went to work so we could have health insurance, which has really helped us. She supports me and my work. <clears throat> what would be best for the church what if those who preach the gospel could receive enough finances to support full-time work? 
Would the church be better off if the 32 evangelists we have could work full-time? Because I'll tell you, out of 32, we have 30 working part-time. Would the church be better off if every congregation had a full-time elder? I don't know if you know it or not, but 70% of our churches don't have elders at all. What if every congregation not only had elders, but had a full-time elder? I want to tell you, it would be a major difference. You talk about change the world, it would change it. Because churches that don't have elders are dying. What would be better for the church? For evangelists and elders to receive enough financial support to allow them not only what is necessary for their life, but for the church to receive the full benefit of their labor. The full benefit. Not part-time benefit. More work from a truly full-time evangelist. More work from evangelist and his wife. More work from a full-time elder. And I have a lot of leadership say, well, we can't do monthly support. We could send you $500. And I want to tell you, it's appreciated. It's appreciated. But $32,000 a year is not going to get you full-time work. Just not. (laughs) Did you know that the Brotherhood helped the churches... Their church members in the Gulf Coast in the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey in 2017. Did this congregation send help? Van, do you remember? Yes, we did. Do you know how much money was sent to the Gulf Coast? Do you know, Van? Do you know how much total money went? I, I doubt if hardly anyone knows. A hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Isn't that amazing? Now here's what's crazy. In twenty-one days, a hundred and sixty thousand dollars went south. Why? We love those folks. They're hurting. They they were in a terrible situation. We're happy to do that. The congregation down in Ragley, there's thank you card on your board. $60,000 went down to help this congregation whose building was just, was just mashed. We got the best people. We're, they're happy to help. And our people, when we know about a situation, we, they typically help. Well, I got to thinking about this, and I just want to talk to you about congregations in the Texas Panhandle, okay? There's families in every congregation. And I went to looking at this and thinking about this. I called church leaders and I said, how many congregations are in your church? And and the guys at Lubbock said 43. Here at Plainview, they said 100. Amarillo, 65. And you can just see the list. Somebody may say, well, you didn't include this congregation. I, I probably goofed up. But I got to adding that up. 367 families. 367. What if 367 families give five bucks more than what they're giving? That's $1,835 a week 
That's $7,300 a month. That's $88,800 a year on five bucks. The average coffee at Starbucks is $4.16. I know, not because I drink coffee, because I don't. I got on their website and I averaged every drink they had. $4.16. And McDonald's Quarter Pounder, which I know a little bit more about, is five seventy-nine. dollars a, co- a coffee. Just think about it. Think about the power of one cup of coffee. Or a quarter pounder if you put it in the plate. 88,000. Folks, don't tell me we can only do 500 bucks. I mean, together we have enormous capability. <clears throat> so, 367 families in the panhandle. That averages out to 36 families a congregation. And if you take Texas, Oklahoma, and Arkansas, there's 105 congregations. 105 congregation times 36 families. That's 3,780 families. 3,780 families, if they give 10 bucks a week, is $37,000 a week. $151,000 a month or $1.8 million a year. (laughs) That's more than I make. (laughs) That's more than you make. I mean, we have the money. And somebody says, well, our our church don't average 36 or or whatever. What if if there were 20 families a church on 10 bucks? It'd still get you a million dollars. I know a congregation not too far from here. In 2020, they gave $48,000 in monthly support to evangelists. They give another $60,000 in bonuses and help. $60,000 total, I'm sorry. $48,000 monthly and a total of sixty. There are 36 families in that congregation. Now I just want to do the math with you. 36 families times 60000 is $1,666 a year. If you divide that by 52 Sundays, that's $32 per Sunday per family. And so $10 times 52 times 36, it's not all that, it's not all that hard to do the math. Two cups of coffee. In the book of Proverbs... Chapter 32, or chapter 3, rather, verse 27. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. I want to say thank you for the support. I want to say thank you for what you, as a congregation, do across the brotherhood. And I'm going to tell you just what my family has done personally. For the last four years, in January, I look at my wife and I say, let's add five bucks a week to our contribution. And my sweet little wife says, okay. 
And she writes out the check on Sunday, and we put it in the plate. We've done that four years in a row. Every year, five bucks. The last two years, she said, do you think we can do that? I said, have we noticed any difference? No. And we just do it. And I want to tell you why we do that. Because I believe in supporting the work of the church too. I believe in that. I want to support Ian Jones. I want to support other evangelists. Well, I'll tell you, we have the resources as a brotherhood to increase the support. I believe there's a willingness in our brotherhood to increase the support. I want to tell you, I believe it's needed. It's needed. But the challenge that we have is communication. We have that challenge. And we have an opportunity to really make a difference. There's evangelists that are getting older. And there's new ones coming along. And that's wonderful. That's a blessing. I want to ask you, do we need evangelists? Do they help the church? I, I hope we are worthy. I hope the work I do is worthy of your support. I really do. I've tried to work hard. I'm going to tell you a story. I was a carpenter. I didn't say I was a good one, but I was a carpenter. I was up a ladder, and I was scraping paint from exposed eaves. Okay? And I prayed to God, and I said, if there's any way I can do church work, I will work my tail off for you. And within a year, I was doing it. And I have tried to work hard. But I'll tell you, there's, there's limits to what guys can do if the money's not there. And I believe all our evangelists have a heart to work. And I do not want you to think we are not grateful. We are very grateful. But we've got to communicate about these things. And I want to thank you for giving me this opportunity. And I pray that God will bless you. And please don't feel like if, you're, if your budget is really tight, you need to add five bucks. I'm not asking you to do that. There's probably a lot of people here who can do that and probably already have because I know this is a very active congregation. I'm going to offer the invitation at this time. If we can help someone, we're happy to do that. We're not in a hurry to try to close up and just to go home. We're here to try to make a difference. We have a congregation because we want to go to heaven. And together we're better. Together we have a great opportunity. And if you need to change your life, if you are struggling in some way, we want to help. And so take this opportunity to come to the front and change your life. If you're not a Christian today, take this opportunity to become a Christian and be washed in the blood of Jesus. Let us help you as we sing.